Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Iraqi Voices. This is your host Mohammed Al-Wali. Iraqi Voices is a podcast that showcases authentic perspectives and insights about current developments in Iraq. Iraqi Voices is produced by 1001 Iraqi Thoughts. The current administration of the Kurdistan regional government was sworn in two years ago in the summer of 2019. Replacing his cousin Nechervan Barzani as KRG Prime Minister, Masrur Barzani is the son of Mas'ud Barzani, the leader of the Kurdistan Democratic Party. For years, Masrur was chancellor of the Kurdistan Region Security Council. In the last two years, the people of Iraqi Kurdistan have seen their freedoms curtailed and their living standards drop due to heavy-handed tactics of the Masrur-trained security force and the inability of the government to pay public salaries. We have also seen the illegal detention of several journalists who have been critical of Masrur Barzani, who continues to act with impunity despite the outcries from international rights group and foreign diplomatic missions. Today I will talk with Kamal Chumani, an analyst and journalist at the Kurdistan Times. He will talk to us about the recent arrests and the economic situation in the Kurdistan region, along with issues related to Turkey, their actions in Iraqi territory, and why both Erbil and Baghdad are quiet about such clear disregard for Iraqi sovereignty. Welcome, Pak Kamal. Thanks, Kak Hamad. Thanks for having me. Tell us about Kurdistan now under Masrur Barzani two years after he became prime minister and what it is like for the average residents in the Kurdistan region. Yeah, so, you know, some of the problems in Kurdistan are not the doing of Masrur Barzani himself. For example, we can agree that he had no control over uh, coronavirus, but his response was his fault. Public schools, for example, suffered... Children were set back and sent home without any provisions, you know, laborers, uh, workers as well. Meanwhile, his own children and that of political party officials and upper class families continued their children's education virtually. No disruption to their education, but only to the education of the average family. When we look at the past two years, we see the education has declined. Health has gone much worse. Opportunities have declined as well. The civil servants, for example, in the Kurdistan region have not been paid in full in the, for the past two years. In an oil-rich region that has attracted the support of the international community, this is catastrophic. This is one of the biggest failures. Masrur has effectively made the PUK and the change movement parties in the government his subordinates. He gives them direction and they follow these two parties no longer act with a mandate to improve government or even see themselves as equals with Masrur Barzani and his party. They act like subordinates and see themselves as subordinates as well. And that's a problem in a government where it was supposed to bring about reforms and changes. And the government was supposed to be a coalition government where the political parties, especially like the two ruling parties, would the change movement as a like a, a new oppositional party to bring about changes. But unfortunately, for the average residents of the Kurdistan region, we haven't seen much changes. We haven't seen much reforms. What we have seen has been rather uh, deterioration of political rights, human rights, and uh, you know, worsening the economic and financial situation of the residents of the Kurdistan region. Um, thank you for uh, this clarification. Um, one of the issues also that we are hearing about is the situation of journalists. As a fellow journalist, how does it make you feel to see these courageous journalists write critically 
of KRG, knowing that they could potentially pay a higher price for expressing their opinion? Yeah, so first of all, the change that we have seen after 2003 has been mainly because of we, we did have a kind of courageous free press in the Kurdistan region, although it was not unpunished. So those courageous critical journalism came with ultimate ultimate price of several um, several critical brave journalists. However, right now, Kurdistan does not have a free press. This means journalists cannot hold the government to account. It means no one dares to directly ask the prime minister tough questions or to secretize his policies. In fact, he doesn't, he doesn't speak to, to, to local journalists. Sometimes he wants to, to talk to the international media, but he doesn't give credit to the local journalists to talk to them about the situation, what's going on. And he, he doesn't have like weekly press conferences where he talks about his policies and the government issues and the people's grievances. It means also a society lives in fear of one man rule and his family. And so far, for example, five journalists have been assassinated, many arrested, kidnapped, tortured, threatened or forced into exile. These are just facts, not opinions of me. I have been documenting media violations for many years. Since the failed of referendum especially, we have seen hundreds of lawsuits filed against journalists in a bid to silence them. The problem is not the lawsuits. The problem is that the courts are not independent. We have a judiciary completely controlled by the two ruling parties, the KDP in Erbil and uh, Duhok, and also the PUK in Slemani. They are controlled by the government as well. We have seen how Masrur Barzani used the courts to convict the five journalists and activists recently, which which became an international, somehow an international issue as well, because the majority of defending human rights and uh, free press uh, organizations responded to what Mansour Barzani did. So we can say there is no judicial independence in Kurdistan. And again, these are not my opinion alone. They are facts. And this time, luckily, for the first time after 2003, it was not only the Kurdish civil society organizations and media and journalists that, you know, are voiced out against what the government and the ruling parties are doing or they have done. It also became a concern of the international community. Lots of um, diplomatic missions in, in Erbil, in Baghdad, you know, they responded to what uh, Masrur Barzani and the government did. And today, Kurdistan has a prime minister who seems to think of himself as the Saudi crown prince. He wants to bring change and a vision for Kurdistan that revolves around himself and his family. He wants to create a legacy that says the Barzani family did this and did that. And the entire KDP exists to create this illusion and dream for the Barzani family, although it has always been as such for, for many, many years. However, at the time of Masrur Barzani, things have completely go, gone wrong and everything right now is uh, somehow, you know, everything is about Masrur Barzani. Everything is about Barzani family. And in the meantime, before it was rather about Barzani family, it's now has turned into it's all about Masud Barzani family, not about the uh, bigger Barzani family. That's why Masud Barzani has lots of problems with his cousin, which is the president of the Kurdistan uh, region. And that's also, you know, the Barzani family conflict is 
has also undermined the Kurdistan region institutions and also the how to say um, the political affairs of the of the Kurdistan region, the relations with the political parties, with Baghdad, with the regional countries, and also with other uh, Kurdish political parties like to be in Iran, Syria or in Turkey, as we have seen recently, lots of problems between, uh, for example, between the PKK and uh, also the KDP. Uh, you have lived, worked, and written extensively about Kurdistan. The, the picture you are painting is quite bleak. The, the Kurdistan region um, has always been um, described in Western media um, as a beacon of democracy in, in, in the wider region. But uh, these developments um, sort of reflect something else. So what does it tell you about the viability of democracy in the Iraqi Kurdistan region over the long term? Uh, first of all, I wish it, I would have a very nice picture of Kurdistan region. That's the dream of me and millions of people in the Kurdistan region, especially the new generation, that we didn't see the former, you know, we just remember the stories of former dictatorship Saddam Hussein. And then we, especially my generation, we grow up, we grew up in the in the civil war in the 90s. And uh, we definitely want to have a picture. We definitely want to have a Kurdistan where, you know, democracy thrives and uh, where there is rule of law and human rights, women rights, children rights, etc. And social and economic, um, you know, equality. However, what we see in Kurdistan region is completely different. And what was, how to say, after 2003, there was a lot of local and also international propaganda about the Kurdistan region, which was, you know, the other Iraq, where there is democracy, Kurdistan region becomes a model in the Middle East. It was basically the Bush administration that wanted to legitimize Iraqi, you know, invasion, forced liberation. And also in the meantime, the Kurdistan region was trying to bring in international investment. And to be honest, there was, there was this kind of, uh, you know, conflict. And this, there was this kind of trans, uh, transformation of the society, whether it leads to a democracy or it leads to uh, a kind of, of, of authoritarian regime, which we have many in the Middle East. We didn't need one more. And I think this, this government is not much different from the, from the past governments that we have, but it has also some kind of uh, differences. First of all, it's, it revolves around making Masrur Barzani feel better about himself. It's about one man creating a legacy for his vision of Kurdistan. That vision is a dangerous one, at least for me. It's one where the Barzanis are the gatekeepers of Kurdistan, where they consolidate and control resources, power structures, and they are the only decision makers, as we see right now. This vision is not about democracy or transparency. It's not about women rights. It's not about children rights. It's not about social and economic equality. It's not about better healthcare, better uh, education or opportunities. It's all about how to control resources so that, you know, to consolidate power, to undermine institutions, to, con to bring in completely under your control that you have failed to bring in under your control in the past. In terms of how it is different, look, the previous cabinet was led by Masrur Barzani's father, who was the president, and uh, his cousin was also the uh, the current uh, president of Kurdistan. You know, a lot of Barzani's, you know, the, uh, the the listeners might be confused. Who was also the prime minister? The previous ca cabinet failed on unprecedented scale. 
It was corrupted, failed to diversify the economy, failed to improve education, failed to improve health, failed to protect journalists, failed to protect Kurdistan. And instead of those responsible for the mess they created, they were rewarded. Now the previous prime minister is the president. And the previous president is Masoud Barzani, head of the KDP, who receives all incoming diplomatic missions. There seems to be no accountability for those who fail other than, you know, they, they are only being rewarded. Kurdistan needs a strong position in this regard. It needs free press and it needs fearless people to challenge the state school. Otherwise, the next 10 years, I believe, will be a reflection of the 10, uh, of the past 10 years. And in fact, what Mansur Barzani has, has, uh, has in mind, I think it, it will not only be a reflection, it will be much worse than the past, than the past 10 years. Um, we have always um, read in the Western media about the important role that the Peshmerga played in defeating ISIS. But uh, today we see lots of military activity by Turkey on the southern border and even inside Iraqi territory under the guise of counterterrorism and combating the Kurdistan Workers' Party or the PKK. So how much of this is sanctioned by and possibly coordinated with the KRG? Yeah, so first of all, I just want to uh, clear, clarify something here. When we talk about uh, the issues between like um, PKK and the Kurdistan region, we should be a bit more selective in choosing the words. I don't think it's about KRG. I think it's rather about the, uh, you know, KDP that's, make, that's making all the decisions. And the Kurdistan regional government under the leadership of uh, Masur Barzani have become Turkey's biggest ally, as you see right now. They have sold out Kurdistan region. That's something, you know, we are seeing every, every day and allow Turkey to expand its new Ottoman ambitions. Just to, you know, give an example, about 30 military bases of Turkey are in the Kurdistan region. And some say, okay, because it's because of the PKK prison on the mountains. But why a, a Turkish military base should be close to, to Mosul? You know, Iraqis in general should be aware of Turkish ambitions in Iraq. So under the false of, uh, under the false claim of terror threat, they have penetrated, uh, into Kurdistan and set up permanent military bases. This is a risk for, for the people of Iraq in general, not only the Kurdistan region in the, in the north. Turkey's foreign policy is antagonistic because they have imperial ambitions. They have never grieved or got over the lost Ottoman territories. And as we know, you know, uh, about the Mosul Vilayet. The entire country is a camouflage for the Ottoman era. And I believe Turkey needs a Kurd on Kurd war to move into Iraq. This is the only scenario where Turkish soldiers can be inside of Iraq and take control of disputed areas with Turkmen populations such as the oil-rich city Kirkuk. In the next, like, you know, in the next 10 years, we will see, I believe, much of Turkish presence in the Kurdistan region and they will try to expand into the other parts of Iraq if the Iraqis, like from the Shia, Sunni and Kurdish uh, parties do not come together so as to stop uh, this Turkish invasion or occupation of the of the territories. So when it comes to the PKK, there is a willful ignorance in this regard. The PKK is not a threat to Iraq. We have seen in the past, you know, 40 years of the PKK existence, 
neither during the former regime nor during the uh, you know post 2003 Iraqi era the PKK has never you know been a threat to Iraq they have never attacked any Iraqi interests other than it has voluntarily protected border areas that neither the Peshmerga or Iraqi security forces are able to to protect Iraq should take I believe a similar approach to Iran like you know Tehran has always tolerated the presence of the PKK in its mountainous borders because they prevent the rise of militant extremist Islamist terrorist groups taking control of the mountainous areas and launching attacks imagine if if the PKK is not there I believe, you know, either those is Islamist extremists like Al-Qaeda or like um, like the Islamic State would be bringing, or Turkey may just, you know, hold the Islamist extremists in the northern Syria to come over, over, you know, to come over the mountains and further destabilize the region so as to reach to their uh, ambitious, uh, new Ottoman amb- ambitions. And unfortunately, that's so sad. Part of the Kurdistan region, which is the KDP, um, uh, and especially Masrur Barzani, they have been uh, very helpful in terms of, you know, uh, facilitating um, the Turkish occupation of the Iraqi land and especially the Kurdistan region uh, mountainous areas. It's a very interesting um, aspect uh, of the PKK presence in Iraq. Um, but in general, you're right, and I agree with you that any differences between um, Arabs and Kurds or within um, the Kurdish house will definitely encourage Turkey to interfere in Iraqi politics and also cross Iraqi borders and uh, uh, undertake uh, military action. Um, but let me get back to some other important event that happened uh, on June 4th, uh, where a fire at a camp for Yazidi internal displaced people led to the loss of 450 shelters, leaving almost 1,400 people homeless. And last week, Dr. Martinez Shemari, a fellow at the Brookings Institute, tweeted about the tension between the federal government, which wants to prematurely close down IDP camps, and the KRG, which keeps some open to benefit financially and for public relations purposes. Uh, what can you tell us about the Barzani Charity Foundation and the support it receives from international aid organizations? Yeah, so first of, all, first of all, I think the KDP has been using the Yazidi strategy as a milking cow. And also, in the meantime, the Yazidis are fed up with the KDP. And uh, they have also not forget who abandoned them when Sinjar massacre happened. So the rise of international outrage, support and financial support for the Yazidi back then, you know, Yazidi people back then have been weaponized by the KDP for their own interests. The reason the KDP wants to keep them under their control is simply strategic. The Yazidis will not forgive nor forget which security forces abandoned them in Sinjar. They have organized themselves, be under the Iraqi institutions or under the, you know, some pro-PKK forces there. And now they see themselves more attached to the Iraqi institutions, as I said, uh, uh, also the somehow themselves they have a kind of self self rule as opposed to the Kurd, uh, to, to the Kurdistan regional government or the KDP. This means once once they are back to to their areas of origin, they will not be sympathetic to the KDP, and KDP will effectively lose control over them, and uh, also they will not vote uh, to the KDP, which has always got the majority of the votes in. 
the Yazidi areas. And uh, so that's very strategic for the KDP to control, to, to keep them in the campus. In the meantime, the KDP and it is many, many institutions have over the years built organizations to ensure they are recipients of international aid to Iraq. They have done this in a very smart way. For example, the son of the Kurdish president, Idris Nechevan Barzani, built Rwanga Foundation. Similar, the KDP have the Barzani Charity Foundation. So the Barzani Charity Foundation is more attached to Mas'ud and Masru Barzani. So they have uh, gone out of their way to take all the boxes to ensure they receive international aid for their various initiatives. This is on one hand. In the meantime, these two organizations are also a way to control the to to control the refugees and uh, internally displaced peoples in in Iraq, and they have uh, also used these two organizations to give um, job opportunities to to the youth in Arbil and in the Kurdistan region. If you are not a KDP, or if you are not a loyal to the KDP. You will not be, as a youth, you will not be given a, a job in these two organizations. And we know that in the past few years, these two organizations have provided a lot of jobs because there were, you know, uh, while we were losing um, a lot of jobs and the youth couldn't get any jobs, these two organizations were able to provide a few jobs within the, through the international aid that they were receiving. And I think, like all the other institutions in the Kurdistan region, the KDP, and that's also true for the PUK. The PUK, have, they also have uh, their charity organizations uh, to control the, 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 the hearts and the minds of people. But the KDP and, and, and uh, the KDP organizations, these two organizations, have been the biggest. And uh, also they have uh, done uh, a lot of things, like any aid that comes to the Kurdistan region, it's... It also they they will stamp and uh, they will go to the campus as if it's it it belong it, it comes from the uh, Barzani family and that's as I said it is not uh, only a way to it's a way to uh, receive international aid and also to control the uh, the people in, in in the campus so be the Kurdish Syrians or the you know Iraqi Arabs or the uh, Yazidi Iraqis in the in the refugee and IDPS campus in the Kurdistan region. Um, having discussed all these issues, it's important to mention that both Prime Minister Mustafa Al-Kadhim and his predecessor Adil Abdel Mahdi enjoy very close ties to the Barzani family. How has this impacted Baghdad-Erbil relations in your opinion? Uh, one of the mistakes Baghdad has made is that they are not investing in the Kurdistani people and the Kurdistani youth and institutions. They are investing in relations directly with the Kurdistan, Kurdistan elite. And I don't think the political elite in Baghdad, in the green zone, and the political elite in the, in Sarirash, in Arbil, can understand and can resolve the, the issues. So the political elite in Baghdad do not speak to the ordinary activists, journalists, civil society groups in the Kurdistan region. And unfortunately, that the um, representatives we have had or we do have right now in Baghdad, instead of directly, you know, representing the people of the Kurdistan region, they're representing the interests of the political parties. And uh, they have also been appointed by the political parties rather than by the people of the Kurdistan region. That is a huge problem. They never, they can never be independent 
in discussing the issues of the Kurdistan region in Baghdad without returning to the political elite in the Kurdistan region. And we know the political elite, what the, what they have done to the Kurdistan, uh, Kurdistan people in the, in Erbil, Duhok, Slemani, Kirkuk and other areas. So Kadmi should have the foresight to work directly with the people. And I think he did have this opportunity. He, he visited the Kurdistan region and people received him very well, very warmly. Not through like politicians, because these politicians have inherited power. They have not earned it. And like, you know, you talk to Quba Talabani, Quba Talabani and Masru Barzani. So both, you know, both, both guys, uh, they inherited power. So they do not completely represent the ambitions and the wishes and the grievance of the Kurdistan people whenever they want to resolve the issues with Baghdad. So the main thing that they focus is their own family and their political party interests. That's something very tragic that the Iraqi politicians have failed to understand. And I think, you know, that's not only the, the failure of the failure of the Iraqi people, it's the failure of the uh, Iraqi uh, political elite, which they have also, you know, what the Kurdish political elite have done to the Kurdistan people, the Iraqi political elite have done much worse to the uh, Iraqi people in other parts of Iraq. So the truth is, not all elements of the Kurdistan KRG want good relations with Baghdad. That's something, you know, that's something very clear. They want a part of the budget pie, but they want to continue international oil contracts to their benefit. And we see whenever the oil prices are going higher, so just we see right now, so they just, you know, they try, they try to attack Baghdad so that there will be problems and uh, problems will not be uh, will not be resolved, and they don't care about the people whether we whether the public employees will be paid in full or not. Because if problems will be resolved resolved with Baghdad, then um, you know the the issue of the uh, public employees payments will be resolved. And as I said, they are not willing to let go of the of this resource because they still have ambitions of independence like you know the 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 barzani family they think still they still think that at some point iraq will be dissolved and they need to have this grip of power and also on the resource so as to in the future either you know going for a kurdish state or they will have this kind of uh you know relationship that the northern sappers have have had with turkey and they will have the same kind of uh, structure and order with turkey so, of course, we need a Baghdad-Arbil relationship dynamic in the interest of the peoples, not the elite. A relationship based on values, decency, and truth. And look, you look, you know, we see that Deputy Prime Minister Quba Talabani makes regular visits to Baghdad, but he knows the agenda is set by Masru Barzani. And an agenda set by Masru Barzani, it means it's not for resolving the, the problems. And when and if a lasting solution is reached, Maybe, or I don't think at all, Masru takes the credit and Qubat will be reduced to being irrelevant in the background. Actually, these visits are for show, if anything. And why not just have a Zoom call? You know, in this, in this uh, financial crisis, spending a lot of um, money of the public budget, just going to Baghdad and coming back and every now and then and just creating like some psychological uh, issues for the people because people want to understand what's exactly going on to, to return to normalcy. Because right now they, we have a very, uh, very shaking market because 
you know, at some point there will be some hope that the, the problems will be resolved. And on the other day, there will be some statements that completely destroyed the hopes that people had built. So all in all, I think, you know, this is one of the very, very important things that, you know, the Iraqi people, the Iraqi politi- politicians, as well as the Kurdish politicians who think beyond the interest of the two, pa- two families, they should come together and also find an alternative to this kind of 2003 until 2021 order where the problem is between Baghdad and Erbil have been discussed negotiated between two political elite completely detached from the from the interests and grievances uh, of the people of the Kurdistan region as well as uh, of the people of Iraq and yes i mean i agree with you that the political elite in both Erbil and Baghdad are detached from uh, the people and also that Baghdad should uh, definitely engage more with the Kurdish citizens as opposed to only engaging with the, the elite in the Kurdistan region. Um, thank you very much for your insights, Kamal. We hope that the people of Iraqi Kurdistan obtain justice, including their right to protest peacefully and demand transparency and accountability from their government especially when it comes to the large-scale detention of their fellow citizens, something we hope for across all of Iraq and for all Iraq. That's it for this week's episode. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify to receive notifications about a new episode from Iraqi Voices. Until next time, take care.